Your blood has always and will continue to be sufficient in all of our lives. We glorify you for it. Anyone appreciate the blood of Jesus tonight? You appreciate everything that that blood means in your life? Praise God. I, I just want to get an idea of who's in the service tonight. How many of y'all have to get up and go to work in the morning? If you have to get up and go to work in the morning, okay, that's most of the people. How many of y'all have children that have to go to school in the morning? All right, that's most of the people. So I'll adjust the message tonight, still get us out between 8.15 and 8.30, just out of respect for that, okay? Let's go ahead and pray. We've got a lot to cover tonight. Is there anyone that needs healing in their body tonight? Anyone needs healing? Raise your hand so I can get an idea there as well. All right, praise God. Praise God. I want you to know that the healing power of God is in this building tonight. Praise God. Begin to set your faith towards that. I said one more time. I said the healing power of God is in this building tonight. I want you to begin to set your faith for that tonight. I, I want to say that a third time. The healing power of God is in this building tonight. You know, it seems like every year I learn something different about what that healing actually provided for us. How I many know it's not just physical healing, but it's also spiritual and mental healing as well. And so he covered everything for us. Okay, thank you, music department. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into what the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. Father, we indeed appreciate the sacrifice of your son. Father, we don't take that for granted, nor do we take that lightly. Father, we live our lives in great appreciation for the price that was paid for our ultimate victory, spirit, soul, and body. And Father, we're here tonight to pay our respects for the awesome gift of your son and the sacrifice that he was willing to make so that we could have eternal freedom in your kingdom. So, Father, as we go forth with this message tonight, I pray that it will be clear tonight. We'll minister to the hearts and lives of everyone present in this room. And everyone needing healing tonight, Father, will walk out of here healed, Father. Whether it happens instantly or they recover over time, that is your will for their lives, spirit, soul, and body. And so, Father, we give you all the glory in advance for all the good that will come out of this service tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. If you would, just love on three people tonight. Tell them God bless you. Tell them it's good to see you tonight. Praise God. I also want to thank you all. I think it's raining out there. Is it raining out there? raining pretty bad. I know it took me about an hour and 20 minutes to get here coming from uh, Gwinnett County. There were a few accidents on the road. So I want to thank you all for just pressing your way out. You can be seated. Thank you for that honor. <clears throat> we know on this past Sunday, uh, we celebrated his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And tonight, uh, we're going to look at the death and suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know as Christians, we are celebrating the most triumphant and victorious week in the history of mankind. How I many you know for us, 
this is what it's all about in terms of how we live our lives. It's what it's all about. And the victory that it was provided through everything that he went through on this week. And so we know the significance of this event took place over 2,000 years ago. How many know it's just as real to us tonight? And as we look at the Word of God, I pray that the Word of God will be just as fresh and just as real to you as we look at the victory that was provided and accomplished through his death and burial, and then we'll pick up with his resurrection on Sunday. And we know before we can even appreciate the resurrection, I mean, he went through a lot just to get to that day. Uh, and again, because we can't have services on Friday, but if you really look at the Jewish calendar, how I many you know that's not three days between Friday and Sunday? So really, this is the day that this event actually happened between 12 and 3. So this is the more, tonight, this is the more accurate day if you look at the Jewish calendar, I believe, if I'm, if I'm saying that correctly. And so, you know, people get in debates about this every year. This is my position. As long as you honor it, it's the same thing with Christmas. I mean, you know, people will argue about what day did that actually happen, though. I think what's more important is that we honor it. And that's what tonight is symbolic of. We won't be here three hours. We'll be here more like an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, it's really the fact that we're here to show our honor and appreciation for what was done for us. Okay, so I just wanted to say those things. And now let's just kind of walk through. I'll give you the verses. You all make sure that you go back and read these tonight. Meditate on, uh, meditate on these tomorrow and over the weekend before we get the Sunday morning service. I'll just give a synopsis to save time tonight so that we can still minister healing to the sick and then also partake of Holy Communion tonight, okay? Is that okay with everyone in the room? All right, and so now as we continue to look at Luke's gospel, uh, Luke gives us a detailed description of the suffering that Jesus went through for us. And just in these few chapters of Scripture, we find many of the sufferings that Jesus endured on our behalf so that we could have the victory that we now have in him. And so if I had to give a title for tonight's message, it would be His Pain, Our Gain. I mean, that's not fair, but I'll take it all day long. And as we look at this tonight, he did all of this in our place. I mean, we were the ones that deserved it. Uh, but he took it in our place. And so I have six points for you tonight. Make sure that you write all of these down. Again, I'll give you the scriptures. Make sure that you go back and read all of the verses. I'll give a synopsis of each one. Point number one tonight, he was betrayed by one of his disciples. And how I many you know, when you spend three and a half years with someone, you believe you built a relationship with that person. And so I don't care who you are. It impacts you when they go south on you. And Judas was that person. And so Judas, uh, while they were at the Lord's Supper, it was very interesting that the Lord said some very strong words as he told them to go to prepare uh, the Passover uh, meal that they would partake of together. And when they sat at the table to eat, he literally said these words. He said, and one of you that's sitting at the table is a devil. I mean, you know, that is just strong. Now, I would never say anything like that, but, but I mean, you know, that is some strong language right there. To, to sit, have all 12 of them sitting there, and you say out of your mouth, one of you is a devil. And then they all began to question among themselves who it was, and, and then they wouldn't get into some arguments about 
who was the greatest in the kingdom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that Judas went on to carry that out in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was in the garden praying, we know that Judas brought the soldiers to exactly where he was at, and he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Now, the guilt from that after he realized what he did because of the way they treated him. How many of you know people will use you to get you to do what they want them to do? And then once they're done using you, they don't want anything else to do with you. And that was devastating to Judas because after he had turned him over, went and collected his money, they basically threw the money bag at him and told him, away with you. We have nothing to do with you now. You have your money. Get away from us. And it dawned on Judas at that time what he had done. And the scripture says that he wouldn't hang himself or actually threw himself off the cliff uh, head first. And so what's the lesson in that that we can all learn? I'm just giving a synopsis. Even though Jesus knew who Judas was, it did not stop him from carrying out his mission or his purpose. Watch this. Nor did he try to stop Judas from doing what Judas was going to do. And so this will teach all of us a lesson. Don't chase people. Chase God. And if your ways are pleasing to God, then let God deal with your enemies. But don't you take time out of your schedule to fight with people. Jesus stayed on course, and he stayed on his purpose. Number two, he suffered an agonizing night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Write down for a point number one, Luke 22, verses 21 and 22, and then verses 47 and 48. Make sure that you go back again and read all of that at your leisure. Point number two, he suffered an agonizing night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Write down Luke chapter 22, 39 through 46. And again, I'll give a synopsis of that. And how many know we all at some point in our lives will identify with the suffering of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But something that I caught in Luke's version of this really encouraged me. We know that he asked his disciples again that he has spent three and a half years with to pray with him. He's getting ready to go through a tough time And he asked the people that he believes the closest to him to pray with him. And when he went back to check on them, what did he find them doing? What were they doing? Were they praying? What were they doing? So so people are people, right? And once again, did that stop Jesus from doing what he was supposed to do? Right? So the scripture says he went back again and he prayed again. And he came back to check on them again. And what did he find them doing? He found them sleeping, and and as he went back that next time to pray, the Scripture says that he began to pray so intensely that his sweat was like great drops of blood. And and I noticed something in there. If you look at verse, uh, look at verse, I want to encourage someone in this building today with this language. You look at verse mm, 42 and 43 saying, Father, if thou be willing Remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. How many of y'all know that is realistic right there? Anyone ever been there before where you said, Lord, if you can just get me out of this situation right here. Anyone ever been there before? I've been there multiple times over the course of my life. And he says these powerful words here. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And look at the next verse here. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And I want to encourage someone in this building today that whenever you feel like you've gone as far as you can go, 
if you'll just make the commitment to continue to do the will of God, how many of you know he'll dispatch an angel that will personally be assigned to you to strengthen you and help see you right on through the victory? Oh, I, I said it, if you'll stay with the will of God. And I'm talking about I don't care how tough it gets. If you'll just keep doing what the Word of God says, keep doing what's right because it's right. How many know God will personally send an angel from heaven to see you through the victory and to even strengthen you while you're going through? I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I look back and I still don't know how I made it through. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever gone through something. Believe it or not, where I stand today, I look back and I say, I don't know how all of this has happened. But I know God is good. Come on, I know I didn't do it all by myself. Come on, I know I had help from somewhere. Come on, I know he was giving me favor with people that I never met before in my life. You don't think an angel was involved in all of this just to get us to this point? Well, I'm telling you, God is no respecter of person. And if he sent an angel for Jesus, guess what? He'll send an angel for you as well. And I need just three people in here to, by faith, believe that God will help you through whatever it is that you're going through. And I'm telling you, I know it's tough. But none of us will go through anything tougher than what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, went through. Point number three, he watched as one of his most beloved and loyal disciples denied him three times. Write down Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 65. We know that Peter uh, or Jesus loved Peter. No doubt about that, right? So this would be considered a close friend and disciple of Jesus Christ. And again, I learned so much in studying this. Jesus told Peter what Peter was going to do. Watch this. Peter said, Lord, if, if you die, I'll die right along with you. I mean, all of us believe that. When we, All of us can say that until we get in a situation. Am I right about that? We don't know. Before we jump on Peter, we don't know what we will do with a gun up to our head and a knife up to our throat. Hello, somebody. And somebody saying, if you say Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I'll blow your head off. I mean, we don't know. We could all confess that and declare that, but that's what Peter was facing on that night. He knew they were coming to kill Jesus, and if I identify with him, they will kill me too. Now, how many of y'all believe you would go down with a fight on that? How many, how many of y'all believe that? Don't. <laughs> Listen, I'm getting ready to be completely honest. Jay, you can relate to this. I'm getting ready to be completely honest. I believe I'll stand up in that moment. All right, all right. I believe that, but I don't know that. <laughs> you didn't hear what I just said. The only way I can know that is to go through that. Anything else is just what I believe, and it's okay for me to believe what I believe, right? And so before we jump on him, Jesus knew what he was going to do, told him what he was going to do. Peter went and did it. Hello? Peter left Jesus altogether, went back fishing, took all of the disciples with him, and for someone in this room, I want to minister a perfect picture of the grace of God. 
While Peter was out fishing, John chapter 20 and verse 21, while Peter was out fishing, he fished all night and he caught nothing. Because how many know when God's called you to do something, you can't go back and do what you want to do. You have to fulfill the assignment no matter how tough it is. So he goes back fishing like most people would. We're going to go back to what's comfortable to us, what we know to do, right? What we've had success with before. But Jesus, after the resurrection, right? Peter has denied it. I don't know the man. I told you I've never seen the mother ever. I mean, Peter's serious. I don't know the guy. He cussing now. He is. Peter is serious. I want to give you a picture of the grace and love of God. While Peter's out there catching nothing, Jesus is on the shore preparing a meal. See, so if anybody ever tells you anything different, it's always the love of God that leads men to repentance. God's never going to beat you, strip you, tackle you, throw you in a dungeon to teach you nothing. He's going to use the word of God and his love. And so here he is on the shore preparing grilled barbecue salmon. (laughs) Come on, how many of you know we got to put us in there, right? (laughs) With some fresh, warm pita bread, right? Right? Watch this. Peter is so ashamed. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Say yes. Feed my lambs. You know what lambs are? Baby sheep. So don't be surprised when we build, when we renovate or build the next situation from the babies up. I mean, we're not getting ready to have a beautiful sanctuary and have our babies sitting in dungeons. Amen. Oh, Lord. And you see the heart of the father right there because he said, feed my lambs first. And what are lambs? Baby sheep. So however, however much resources we have, we'll start with nursery, children's church, youth, and we'll go last. Now, Peter told him, you know I love you, Lord. Now, watch this. His actions didn't demonstrate that. Right? Clearly, he's cussing. He left him. He's fishing. He's gone back to his old profession. So his actions doesn't support what he said. Now, I want to teach you something right here. I believe with all my heart that he meant this even when he was denying it. And he meant it all the way through. I believe that with all of my heart. Because, again, let me tell you something. Never say what you will do. Let me just prove it in here. We don't even have to go that deep with it. How many of y'all have been wrong? Face in a toilet bowl. (laughs) Lord, if you get me through the night, I'll never drink another drink in my life till next weekend. Or wherever. Lord, if you get me home tonight. Whatever the situation is. How many of us have said things like that? We loved God when we said it. Right or wrong? 
We loved God when we said it. We're just, we're just growing. Right? So I like to look at it this way. Peter was just growing. And to prove that he grew, oh, I wish it, man. No, we'd be here till 10 o'clock tonight. That's why I'm giving a synopsis of all of this. And so what I saw here, Minister Vinny, was the grace of God working with him as he grew. Isn't that good? And so three times he said, third time he said, feed my sheep. Right? That time Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Peter meant that. Just like he meant it when he said it the first time. All of us have said stuff that we really meant when we said it, but we did the opposite. I'll I'll lay hands on somebody in this room right now, suddenly. (laughs) Am I right or wrong? Right or wrong? I'm just trying to show you this picture of grace and love here, right? So we know that he grew because when we pick him up in Acts chapter 3 and 4, this man preached a message to the same group of people that he cussed and denied Jesus in front of, and the Scripture says 3,000 of them gave their lives to the Lord. So what we see there is not perfection. We see progress. Let's just keep going. Number four, he faced the Sanhedrin when the chief priests and elders rejected his testimony. Write down uh, Luke 22 uh, through 66 through chapter 23, verses 1 through 25. Take some time to read all of that. It would be a great blessing to you. Number one, they captured Jesus at at night. How many know there are no court systems open at nighttime? So how many know this was a fake trial? And they wouldn't grab fake witnesses off the street, woke them up out of their sleep. Come on, put something on. We need you to come down here and say this tonight, right? And so all of this was under false pretense. And don't be surprised if throughout the course of your life you get wrongfully accused for something that you didn't do. If you just keep doing what's right before it's right, because it's right, how many know God will make it work out for your good? And you won't even have to fight the battle or try to defend yourself. Number five, he endured the crucifixion and the nailing to the cross, which we're going to look at here in a moment. Luke chapter 23, uh, 23 uh, verses 26 through 49. Make sure that you look at those, study those. And then the greatest price, number six, he probably paid was that of being rejected for a time by his own heavenly father when he said these words. Now, in Luke's account, Luke gave a different version than Matthew did. Luke said when he finally gave up the ghost, he said these words. I think it was more, I commend my spirit into your hands, was Luke's version. It was Matthew who coined these words or penned these words where he said, uh, uh, oh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Most scholars and commentaries uh, say that it was during that moment, it was the first time in Jesus' life that he had ever experienced separation from his father. And the father had to turn his back on him because of the father's hatred towards sin. And the price for sin had to be paid. And it was in that moment that Jesus, for the first time in his life, felt separation from his father. And listen to this. He did that because he loved you so much. Believe it or not, he saw over 2,000 years 
down the road that you would come to know his son as his personal Lord and Savior and be a part of his family. I don't know about you. That's enough to lift your hands right there and just say, thank you, Father. And so now the book of Isaiah gives a vivid account of the suffering that Jesus would go through because of the sins of mankind. Go with me to Isaiah 52. We'll look at this, and then we will move on with the service tonight. Isaiah chapter 52, and let's pick it up in verse 13. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. Are you all there? Isaiah 52, 13. says, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled to be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage or his appearance was so marred more than any man. This word marred here means disfigured and corrupted. So in other words, he was beaten so bad that you couldn't even recognize that that was a man's face. More so than any other man has ever experienced in his lifetime or in our lifetime. Now, I don't know about you. I grew up in the city, so I have seen some beatdowns in my day. Anyone ever seen some beatdowns in your day? And what they are saying here, there is no one that took a beating like he took on our behalf. So much so that he didn't even resemble a man when you looked at him. Verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told, them shall they see, and which they had not heard shall they consider. Chapter 53, verse 1. Who have believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord there in the Hebrew is referring to the miraculous power and ability of God. How many know God is a powerful being? The Scripture says the only thing he had to do to raise Jesus Christ from the grave was just to simply flex his arm just like that. It was that simple for him. So we're talking about the power and the miraculous ability of the Lord is revealed through this act. For he shall grow up, Jesus, before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground He have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. This word despised means to be disdained and disesteemed, uh, to be looked at as a vile person. Can you imagine that your intent is good and people are looking at you like you're some kind of vile person? He was disdained despised and rejected. Rejected here means to be vacant, uh, to be destitute, uh, to be left behind. Can you imagine again, here you are laying this down and everyone that you're laying this down for has left you. How many of us would continue to go through with anything if we were going through it for people that we thought we loved and they all left us. I mean, you know, most of us would say, forget all of you all then, and I'm getting ready to go on about my business. But because everyone rejected him and despised him, I mean, you know, because he had a greater purpose, he did it anyway. Watch this, because he knew we would eventually come around. 
I learned so much again. It's like every time I study this, I replant my feet just back into a greater commitment in terms of my walk with God. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Sorrows here uh, in the Hebrew is anguish and affliction, grief, pain, and sorrow. So I want you to think about this. If he experienced grief, pain, and sorrow, wouldn't it make sense that he experienced that so we wouldn't have to? Stay with me on that thought. And acquainted with grief. Or in other words, he became familiar with grief. Grief here means anxiety, calamity. It means disease, and it means sickness. So once again, he took all calamity, all disease, and all sickness so that we wouldn't have to. Okay? Stay with me. And watch this now. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So in other words, the people did not even recognize that what he was going through was for them. So instead of giving him the esteem that he deserved, they looked down on him. Stay with me. Verse 4 here. And I want to pull up some commentaries here with verse 4. Let me read it, then I'll go back. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And I'm going to explain to you what that means. Surely here is an exceeding important word here. It really means here absolutely. It means rendered surely. It means a strong affirming. It means a certain truth. So in other words, folks, this happened for us. Surely he had born, this word born here means to bear, referring to it on the account of our sins. It literally means to take up, to lift up, to raise up. So he carried all of our sins for us. Wow. The phrase here, our griefs here, literally means sickness, disease, anxiety, and affliction. Watch this. It does not refer to sins in this particular context. Griefs here is specifically referring to sickness, disease, anxiety, and affliction. Now, again, if he carried that, uh, let me have my daughter come in for one second, Joel. Come in for one second. So I want you all to see something here. She didn't know I was calling her. She does not like to be put on the spot. Just come right over here for a moment. Yeah, I won't embarrass you. Don't worry. She doesn't like this. But I want you all to think about something. I have sacrificed my whole life so that my children can live a better life. Now, at any point, do you think I'm getting ready to put sickness or disease or suffering on her, right, so that she can learn a lesson, right? The parents actually carry all of that for the children so that the children never have to experience it. Doesn't mean that they won't go through things in life. I mean, we protect them from sickness, disease, and all the rest of that stuff by providing a good diet, life, and lifestyle for them. Would I be a good parent if I took that, what I carried for her, and put that on her to teach her a lesson? Would I be a good parent? Would I win the Parent of the Year Award? Watch this. But if I took it off of her, would I be a good parent? And if it was my heart that she never had to experience that, would I be a good parent? hot in here too. Thanks, man. You did a good job. You did a good job. It's my baby right there. All right? 
You all understand that? So there's this constant thinking out there that I'm going through this because God's trying to teach me something. And you can't support that anywhere in the scriptures. Plus, why would he carry it and then give it back to teach us something? That doesn't make sense, does it? Right? So why would he take it away and give it back? None of that makes sense at all, does it? All right? Now, so he carried our griefs. Uh, the word carry here again means to properly carry as a burden. Uh, it means applied as carrying burdens. It means to really take something on behalf of someone else. Our sorrows here means our pain, our grief, our sadness, uh, our sorrows. And so we can see here he took care of everything, spirit, soul, and body. Anything that we would ever deal with in life, he carried that for us. Now, there's a balance to that. Now, when someone dies, how many know we sorrow at the death of the person that we lost? But doesn't the Scripture tell us to not sorrow as others who have no hope? So then clearly there's a right way to sorrow and a wrong way. The wrong way would be to carry the burden of what they went through. The right way would be to cast the whole of that care over on God, knowing that he cares for us. Then our sorrow becomes more of we'll miss him, but yet the hope that we have means that we'll see him again. Do you all see that? And we have to be ready to answer every person for that great hope that we have. I mean, if we're in the dumps like they are, then how can we help them? Right? They're looking to us for answers, okay? And then yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. Now, this was interesting to me here. We did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. I hadn't really ever studied that out. And so literally what it's talking about here is the people began to look at him as if what he was getting, he deserved. And God was punishing him for what he did wrong. And what they were missing was God was punishing him for what we did wrong. And he was the substitute on our behalf. Smitten of God literally means they actually thought, they thought God was treating him as one and regarding him as one that was under divine malediction and therefore was rejecting Jesus for the wrong life and sins that he had lived. They had that all backwards, didn't they? I mean, we were the ones that were supposed to get the beating. But, man, I thank God I didn't have to. Now, how should we live our lives in terms of that awesome price that was paid for us? Shouldn't we live our lives in a way that really speaks to what was provided for us? Okay? Let's keep going here, 752. And afflicted. So we esteemed him. They esteemed him literally to be punished by God. So if you go back and I never saw this before. So if you go back and look at the act, that's why they were doing what they were doing. They literally thought they were helping God by sticking him. All the stuff that they were doing, they thought they were helping God and punishing him on behalf of God, not even realizing that what he was taking wasn't on, on behalf of his sins. What he was taking was on behalf of our sins. And I don't know about you. For that, I am forever thankful and grateful. Okay, why don't you lift your hands right there and just thank God for paying that ultimate price for you. 
Verse 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. The word wounded there literally means a wound. It means something perforated. It means something open. So for every open wound that he had, that was for our transgressions. He was bruised, beaten black and blue for our iniquities. And this is what I love. The chastisement of our peace, or in other words, another way of saying that, the instruction, the restraint, the correction, the discipline of our peace, watch this now, was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So there's so much in here, folks. Peace here is the Hebrew word shalom, which means nothing broken, nothing missing. We're talking about wholeness, soundness, wellness in every aspect of your life. And what he's saying is he took the correction that we should have had so that we could have the peace, the shalom that he had before the foundation of the world. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And it says, with his stripes, we, what's that phrase there? We are healed. Now, if you'll go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, very quickly. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. And out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. Now, we just read Isaiah, right? Right? Okay. Was Jesus actually on the earth when Isaiah was prophesying that? Had any of that taken place, right? And so for prophecy to be prophecy, it must be fulfilled, right? Look at verse 17 here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So in other words, he carried all of that for us, our sin and our sickness. He took all of it. And left nothing undone. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Isaiah, looking at the cross, said, by his stripes we are healed. Matthew, going through the events, said he came to fulfill that so that he could uh, bear all of our iniquities, our sins, and and our sicknesses. 1 Peter, uh, here chapter 2, verse 24, he's looking back at the cross and notice the language that he uses. Verse 24, he says, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you what? Were healed. Okay? By whose stripes you were healed. And so, how many of y'all believe that healing does not belong to a believer? I mean, sickness does not belong to a believer. How many of y'all actually believe that? And you'll hear on Sunday, there's actually a position or a posture. Uh, Musicians, go ahead, prepare yourselves. There's actually a posture and a position that we're to take when anything like that takes place. Uh, We're supposed to stand up and take our rightful position in terms of what was provided for us and say, oh, no, you don't, sickness. Oh, no, you don't, disease. You have no right in this body. Healing is the children's bread, and it belongs unto us. Now, I want to build your faith up a little bit. There is no sickness or disease that God has not healed you from. Did you all hear how I said that? 
Let me say it again. There is no sickness or disease that God has not already healed you from. Think about it. There's nothing worse than death. And so if he raised Jesus from the dead, he can quicken your mortal body. Even if it's at the point of death. Oh, Lord. He specializes in bringing dead things back to life. There was a person here, we were watching the news here in Atlanta, had been, they thought, dead two days. What was it? How many days was it? Two days. All of a sudden, they went back in that room. Hey, 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 hey. Now, again, let me help you all understand something. I don't claim to be a doctor or any of that. But usually if doctors diagnose you as dead, something happened. How many of you know they can't put that thing on your big toe? Something happened. How many of you know something else happened after that? Oh, I need a little faith in this room today. I said I need a little faith in this room today. I'm just trying to help you all understand the ability that God has. Right? Okay? So... Every level of it, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, even to the point of death, has already been paid for. Which means someone could have been given days, weeks, months to live, and God can still have a final say-so in that situation. How many of y'all believe that? How many believe there's nothing too big for God? All right, didn't he say, if I gave you my son, how shall I not with my son freely give you all things? Didn't he say that? All right, any sickness and disease in this room today, any level, because I want you to enjoy communion. I'm going to switch the order of this today. And so if you need healing tonight, okay, there are three forms of it. One is through the communion meal, which we'll partake of. How I many of the highest form is just to believe the Word of God? Right? And then we have what's called the laying on of hands, Matthew chapter 28 there. Believers can lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover, okay? So everyone stand to your feet. If you need healing in your body right now, I just want you to follow the direction of the ushers and come on down here to the front right now. And let us minister healing to your body, to your physical body. Doesn't matter what it is, if it has a name, it must bow to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Follow the direction of the ushers and the hostesses. All right. Believers, I just want you to stretch your hands down here. Begin to pray in the spirit for every person. Pray for them as if it was you standing down here today. And as I lay my hands as a point of contact, believe what he said in his word, that by his stripes, you are healed. I don't care what the doctor said. I don't care who's giving up on you. God will never give up on you in any kind of situation. That's why he gives us faith, so that you won't give up on yourself. Where's my wife? Come on down here and help me out, man. And so sing something right there that fits as we lay hands as a point of contact.
of y'all can notice a, a difference in your body right now? If you had hands laid on you, you can notice a difference in your body. Lift your hand up, keep it up high. Look around the room. Come on, God's still in the healing business, folks. If it didn't happen instantaneous, instantaneously, just continue to watch. You'll recover over a period of time. Put all your faith and stock in what he did, not in what you need to do. Your performance doesn't matter. It's his performance that matters. Praise God. If you all would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Excellent song. Healing in the name of Jesus. Excellent song. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's so many elements in that story. If we go back and look at Luke's account, the strength of Jesus is just, just studying that today, I couldn't believe it. Matter of fact, let's, let's use his account. Go, go back to Luke chapter 22. And let's begin reading at verse 17. We know just before that, he told his disciples to go to a man's house and uh, to tell that man that he had need of a room in that house, which was a guest chamber. And he told his disciples that the room would already be prepared. When the disciples arrived there, they found that it was exactly the way Jesus said it would be. The room was prepared for the Passover lamb of which Jesus was the sacrifice for the disciples and the rest of the world as they partook of that meal. But when I was studying that, let, let's start, let's pick the story up. I, his strength just blew me away. Verse 17 says, and he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And when he was talking about to take the cup most scholars there believe he was referring to or it is referred to as the cup of blessing. Verse 19, and he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is broken for you. Can you imagine sitting there with them and he's literally saying to you, this cup represents my blood, this bread represents my body. To show you that they didn't get it, let's just continue to read the story. But he, it didn't change this, this grew me up. This blessed me. It says, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup, uh, well, verse 19, and he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it unto them. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Watch this. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me at the table. Wow. Think about that now. He just said, this blood represents my blood, which was shed for you. This bread represents my body, which will be broken for you. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And he says, the hand of him that betrays me is at the table. Truly the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto the man by whom he was betrayed. Watch the rest of the disciples. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that he was referring to. 
And look at this. And they were also in strife among themselves. Which of them should be accounted as the greatest? So here we are at one of the most important points in history. And you've got the people closest to him fighting and arguing over who's going to be the man. And did that change anything that he did? Let me tell you what I believed as I was studying that. Even though they were missing it, he could see thousands of years down the road, see us standing in this sanctuary tonight. He said, even though they don't get it right now, there's a group of people coming that will get it. And I don't know about you, I'm glad I'm one of the ones that get it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so peel back the top portion, purple portion. And this represents the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which was bruised wounded and beaten for us as you partake say by his stripes I am healed father I thank you for your healing power flowing through my body from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet all of my major organs function in the way in which you designed for them to function father Father, I thank you that I walk in health all the days of my life as I obey to the spiritual and natural laws that are in this earth. And so, Father, I will live pain and sickness free all the days of my life because you carry that for me. And I receive that by faith, and I'll live long. We'll all live long and strong, Father. And should you tarry, the number of our days will be 120, healthy, wealthy, and strong. If you receive that, say amen to me. You may peel back the second portion. This juice represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And I want you to say this with me. Father, thank you that your blood washed and cleansed me from all my sins, past, present, and future, in Jesus' name, you may partake.